morning, church. Um, we are starting a series based on various passages from the book of Psalms. We're going to bounce around uh, the book of Psalms a, a little bit for this season. And we're going to begin this season by looking uh, at the, at the uh, 23rd Psalm for a few weeks. I've, I've done one sermon on the whole uh, Psalm uh, before, but I've, I've never broken it down in, into several weeks. Psalm 23 is one of the best-known pieces of literature in all of history. It is revered as holy by three of the major religions of the world, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. And in our culture, a lot of people think that Psalm 23 is a psalm for deathbeds and gravesides. But actually, it's a psalm for the living. It's a psalm about living with confidence no matter what life throws in your face and life will throw everything at you. So it's amazing how when I get ready to preach on something, that God tests me in it right before I have to preach on it. Last night, I woke up at 2.30 in the morning. I went to bed early. I took Advil PM just to make sure I would get plenty of sleep. Eyes, boom, wide awake, 2.30 in the morning. And I was awake for three hours on a Sunday night. And you can't be sleep-deprived on a Sunday morning because when you're sleep-defried, See what I'm saying? I'm about to prove the point I'm about to make. When you're asleep, <laughs> defried, you get dumber. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> it's almost as if you're drunk. And I just, I don't know, maybe I, I who knows what's going on in my head. There's no, there's no telling. But the last thing you want to do is stand in front of a bunch of people and, when you're in a dumb state of mind and open your mouth. And so here I am. So I was stressing. I was stressing. I was thinking about, I got to preach tomorrow. I can't afford to have insomnia on a Saturday night. And then I started thinking about all the different church things that we got to do. And, and, you know, January was pretty rough. And what are we going to do for this year? We have certain goals. How are we going to uh, reach them? And then I was thinking about how, you know, my family, they've been sick and then they're well and then they're sick and then they're well and then they're sick again. And it's just like crazy. My, my brain was spinning. I, I was trying to listen to music to, to, so my, my, my brain would have something to latch onto and maybe I could calm down and finally go to sleep. I was trying real hard to go to sleep. It doesn't really work that way. Let me tell you something. It took two and a half hours before I even thought about talking to God. <laughs> and then it dawned on me that, that uh, I'm going to be preaching on the 23rd Psalm. And it's all about contentment and rest and satisfaction. And it just reminded me how easy it is for all of us to forget of the contentment God gives us and who he is and what he's done. I forget just like all of you do. Absolutely. You know, this morning uh, at four, whatever, see, I can't do math right now. The verses jumped into my head that I was going to be looking at this morning. 
which was, the Lord is my shepherd. I think we have it. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And I started med- meditating that on that in a way that, that made God seem near to me as opposed to just a passage that I should break down and, you know, teach about. And I needed that. That scene right here, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters, restores my soul. There's one word that describes that scene, and that's contentment. That's contentment. And that's our topic for today, contentment. Last night, I was not content. It, 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 kept, it kept me awake, and I was about to preach on contentment. Like I said, it's not just me. It's all of us at every age. Babies cry, kids whine, older kids complain, and we continue to complain for the rest of our lives. Right? God wants us to be content. And it's not like, a, you better be content and stop your complaining. That's, that's not the attitude here. He wants you to feel content, not because he's had it with our complaining, but because he loves you and he wants you to be content even more than you want to be content. Even when your life is filled with stress and sickness and sin and other stupid stuff. That was an alliteration. Did you notice that? That's what preachers do. We're going to look at two questions. First one is this. What is contentment? It's kind of tough to define. I think it's a lot easier to describe discontentment, right? When we grumble, when we complain, when we're envious or jealous, when we're restless or anxious, that's when we're expressing our discontentment. It's when you're joyless because of your circumstances. And so maybe you think, well, then, you know, is contentment being happy about your messed up circumstances? Not, not exactly, no. And I'll clarify a bit more by describing what contentment is not. I'm going to list several things. Contentment is not denying our hurt and our disappointments. Okay? David was not some stoic His psalms are filled with honest expressions of hurt and disappointment and frustration. In fact, the spiritual laments are the largest group of psalms in the book of Psalms. And then contentment is not liking everything that's going on in your life. David didn't. He lost his first life. You know, his newborn baby died. His daughter was raped. His son was murdered. And the list goes on. David never says, you know what? It's all good. You know, in a way, I kind of like it because it's making me be all I can be. God does not expect you to look at your problems and say, this is great. I like it. Awesome. Also, contentment is not being apathetic or complacent. 
There were areas in David's heart and life that were seriously messed up. He was still an incomplete sinner like you and me. God does not want us to be apathetic or complacent about that. He wants us to want to grow in wisdom and holiness for our good and his glory. He does not want us to be apathetic or complacent. Well, that's not what contentment is. So what is contentment? David gives us a clue. He says, he makes me lie down. So I learned there are several reasons why sheep don't lie down. Fear when there's danger, like a wolf or a wild dog flies when there's an irritation of flies buzzing around their their face. You know, friction when there's another sheep head-butting another sheep within the the herd or whatever you call it, herd, flock, I don't know. (laughs) And the same is true for people. Fear, flies, and friction. Another alliteration. You're welcome. Fear of criticism, of rejection, of failure. Flies like the little frustrations and irritations of life. Friction of strained relationships. But there is a fourth reason that sheep don't lie down. And that's famine. Sheep will not lie down unless their hunger and thirst has been satisfied. They will restlessly search. This is what David has in mind because this is the primary reason we are discontent. Israel is a dry land. In David's day, there was, you know, there were no sprinklers or water hoses. I mean, there was none none of that. And so sheep would often go hungry and thirsty. And, and, And in this way... We are most like sheep. We're hungry and we're thirsty for something more. We we restlessly search for something to satisfy our deepest longings. But David says he makes me to lie down. Where? In green pastures. And he leads me beside still waters. So, What is contentment? Write this down, if you want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's contentment. And what is contentment? It is being confident that my shepherd will provide all I need for whatever I'm facing. It is being confident that my shepherd will provide all I need for whatever I am facing. In the midst of fear, in the midst of flies, in the midst of friction and famine, you're confident you have all your need. Whatever obstacles you're facing, whatever limitations you are living with, whatever physical problem is wearing you down, whatever unfulfilled dreams that fill you with regret, whatever circumstances that drag you down in the midst of all of it, you can say, I don't like it, but you don't say, I can't deal with it. Because contentment does not depend on your circumstances. Contentment is a result of confidence that your shepherd will provide all you need for all you're facing. Now that raises our second question. How can we be content? This has two parts, and I'll get to them in a bit, but first I want to ask, what was 
the secret to David's contentment? Well, David tells us when he says, the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. He is saying, I'm confident that I have all I need for whatever I'm facing for one simple reason, that the Lord is my shepherd. So let's put that in the context of the rest of the Psalm. The overarching uh, logic of Psalm 23, and this is what I went over last time I preached just on the entire chapter. The, The overarching logic of Psalm 23 is this bold declaration. The Lord is, I shall. That's the overarching theme. The Lord is, I shall. David's confidence, he's confident that he has all he needs to handle whatever he's facing, not because it is based on his status or his talent or his family background or his looks or his education or his riches. It's not based on any of that. All stuff that we kind of want to look to or wish we had. His contentment is rooted in the very existence and the character of God. He says, the Lord is. But also his contentment is based on the relationship he has with God. The Lord is, therefore, I shall. I shall only because the Lord is. You can't separate those two. They're connected. Because the Lord is, I shall. The whole psalm is structured by that logic. And the rest of the psalm, it fills in the blanks. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not fear. I shall triumph. And I shall live with him forever. The Lord is. I shall. That's the secret to contentment. Being confident that you have all you need to handle whatever you're going to face. Because the Lord is. I shall. Let's look a little closer. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The the reason David can declare, I shall not want, or in other words, the reason he could declare that he is content because he he can say, I shall not want, he's not in want, is because the Lord is my shepherd. You know, David's been a shepherd and he knew the well-being of the sheep totally depends on the shepherd. There are herds of wild horses but there's never been a herd of wild sheep. You know why? Because they can't make it on their own. You turn them loose in the wild, they die. That's how it goes. But like David, you can be confident that our shepherd will provide all you need because our shepherd is both strong and loving. You know, this verse can be translated as Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh is the name of God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. He is, I am, the one who spoke creation, came into being, the one who holds all things together by the word of his power. He is able to provide all that you need for whatever it is that you are facing. Not only that, Yahweh is the covenant name of God. It it speaks of God in relation to his his people, of his commitment to you in grace, his commitment to you in compassion, his commitment to you to forgive your sins and, and deliver you from your enemies. Especially death and judgment. His covenant promises that 
we can rest in the fact that we will dwell in his house forever. In the Old Testament, God reveals himself to his people as their shepherd who leads them and feeds them. I mean, you see that all through the book of Exodus, right? So let me ask you, right? Look at your life. Evaluate your heart. Maybe evaluate your contentment or your discontentment. Whether or not you know Jesus is your shepherd or not, can you say with David, the Lord is my shepherd? Some of you here might not be able to say that. You're not sure yet if there even is a God. And I want you to know that I'm so incredibly grateful that you are here. And I want to encourage you to keep thinking that through. And if there's anything that I can do to be any help at all, please talk to me. I will carve time out to meet with you and to kick this around a bit. You know I will. Ask her. (laughs) That's it's exact. She does not lie either. Others of you can say, "Yes, the Lord is my shepherd." Right. A lot of you, maybe most of you here can say the Lord is my shepherd, right? So let me ask you something. Why are y'all so discontent? (laughs) It's probably not fair to assume that. But I do anyway. Because I know we all are. That wasn't meant to be, you know, throw the whole congregation under the bus. (laughs) kind of a thing. I just know us. I know us. We live in a broken world. And if you don't wrestle with, you know, discontentment, then you're a robot or something. We all wrestle with this. Why aren't you content? Why do you grumble? Why do you complain? And just so you know, I'm asking myself this question as well. Why are you obsessed? Why are you anxious? Why are you stressed? Why are you worried? Why are you insecure? Why are you impatient? Here's why. We are following the wrong shepherds. How can we be content? Step one, stop following other shepherds. Most people are discontent and more discontent than they realize. And what gives us away is our complaining. And you know what? We don't think that we complain as much as we really do. (laughs) I didn't realize how prideful I was in thinking I don't complain when things go wrong. I don't complain when things don't turn out the way I want. I might get angry and I might want to tackle it and punch it in the face, but I don't complain. Like, I'm awesome, and you all need to be like me. But that's not true. 
are not true at all. I complain a lot more than I realize. And my, help, my family helped me see this. We live in a small apartment. So while I think I don't complain, my family has graciously let me know that I grumble under my breath when I think no one can hear me. Sometimes when I walk out of the bathroom or the closet or whatever, Shannon will ask me, what's wrong? I'm like, what are you talking about? I heard you grumbling in there. No, you didn't. <laughs> yes, I did. So I started asking my family what I complain about and added it to my own list. I grumble about my weight. I grumble about the pets that we have in the house that I wish we did not have in the house. I complain about bills. I complain because I have to pause the movie because someone in my family who loves me wants to talk to me. And my list got longer and longer as I just took a few minutes to think about it. My list was longer than a CVS receipt. <laughs> Have you seen them? They're like three feet long. I didn't care about like deforestation or any of that until I got a CVS receipt. I think there might be a problem. I think it's all CVS's fault. Most people are not content. What's on your list? Let me tell you something. Don't be, don't think you don't have a list. Let's take a little time and think about it, all right? You're not going to savor God's grace until you realize how badly you need it. So take some time and reflect. I mean, it's one of the things we do when we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. As we reflect on our need for Jesus, which only becomes, you know, his grace only becomes sweeter when we realize how much we need it. What's on your list? What do you need? What do you look to to be okay or to be happy? You want something so that you don't have to want anymore. And we end up following the wrong shepherd. It may be the comfort shepherd who promises if you avoid stress and fill your life with good things, then you'll enjoy life and be content. It may be the performance shepherd who promises if you work hard and succeed, then you'll be important and you'll be content. It may be the relationship shepherd who promises if you find the right person of your dreams, then you know that you will be loved and you will be content. It may be the security shepherd who promises if you build your net worth with lots of cash, then you can handle the uncertainties of life and you can be content. What is it for you? Whatever it is, none of these shepherds can make me lie down in green pastures. So I need to follow the good shepherd because only he makes me lie down in green pastures. You can never, ever be satisfied by the demands of those false shepherds. Perform a little better, hoard a little more, win a little more approval. It'll never be enough. Do you know why these false shepherds can't deliver what they promise? You know why you're always let down? 
You know why you think, well, maybe this time it'll satisfy me. This time I'll be content, but it never does. You know why that is? It's because you were created for something greater than all of that. Those can never live up to what we were created for. The writer of Ecclesiastes tells us why we have unsatisfied longings of the heart when he says, God has planted eternity in your hearts. You were created, deep down you know that you were created for something much greater and you will not find real satisfaction. You will not find true contentment until you stop following other shepherds that just let you down and rip you off. I mean, you're free to do that. I'm free to do that if we want to. We just end up destroying ourselves. John 10, Jesus is talking to people who are steeped in the Old Testament, by the way, because that was their Bible. They knew that God, that the Lord, that Yahweh was their shepherd. And then in John 10, Jesus of Nazareth shows up, stands before all these people, and he proclaims, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This would have blown them away. This would have offended them. It would have shocked them. It would have made them angry. Well, we got to notice a couple things about Jesus' claim here. First of all, Jesus identifies himself with the shepherd of the Old Testament. Jesus' fellow Jews knew what that meant. There was only one who was good. There was only one shepherd. There was only one who has the right to the title of good shepherd, and that was the Lord. And so now here's someone who's, who they knew, somebody that they grew up with, and he says to them, I am the good shepherd. And then when you go down to verse 33 of that same chapter, they charge him with blasphemy. They say, we are going to stone you for blasphemy because you being a man, make yourself God. They knew full well what Jesus was claiming and Jesus never renounced that claim. Second, Jesus tells us he is the one who provides us with all we need for whatever we're facing. He lays down his life for us. And in verse 10, so that they may have life, so that we might have life and have it to the full. In other words, so that we can lie down in green pastures, so that our hunger might be satisfied. He leaves me beside still waters so that our thirst may be satisfied. Your discontentment and my discontentment is a symptom of the greatest problem facing humanity that sin separated us from an all-holy God. Things are not right when we are not right with God and nothing that we do could ever satisfy our hunger and thirst. But then our good shepherd, by his amazing grace, comes to us voluntarily and gives his life for us so that our sin can be forgiven. In verse 3, David says, he restores, the good shepherd restores my soul. You don't restore your own soul. He restores 
our soul. You can rest in that. He restores my soul so that we can commune with God. So we can eat and drink and be content in him. He dies for us so that we can live with him. You know, I'll close with this. I mean, you've heard some of this before. But I remember, I don't know, it was about, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that. It's still a memory that is powerful to me. I started a ministry when it seemed like everything kind of came together supernaturally. Everything that could go right went right. Followed up very quickly with suddenly it seemed like it all got dismantled supernaturally. And everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And I was discontent. And when I say discontent, it was dark. Things fell apart, so I fell apart in my angry way. I went to a mentor of mine, and he graciously and gently showed me how I didn't really want Jesus more than anything else. I wanted to have a successful ministry more than anything else. Jesus could not. I was not looking to Jesus for my contentment. I was looking for success for my contentment. You know, I could say, I don't care what anybody else thinks of me. I don't care what you think, which is kind of arrogant. But also, I care what I think about me. I want to be able to be someone that I respect, and I'm not. So I beat myself up, you know. I can't earn the respect that I demand for myself. And I want that because I think it'll be, that's when I'll finally be content. But I can't. My mentor went on to tell me he had done the same thing. He was humble enough and loving enough to tell me how bad, in a very personal way, how bad it got and how God used this Psalm 23 to restore his soul And he allowed God to use his weakness to help me back to Psalm 23 when I needed my soul to be restored. Because it brings us to the good shepherd. That's the whole point. They're not magic words. It leads you to the good shepherd. The good shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures, so that I would stop following other shepherds that were ruining my soul. That was years ago, and I still get clobbered with discouragement because I can still so easily follow false shepherds. I forget that the Lord is my shepherd. But let me tell you something. The Lord never forgets that we are his sheep. We may forget our good shepherd, but he never forgets us. And you can run away from your shepherd and by God's grace he will chase you down because he loves you. You can rest in that. You don't feel like you can trust yourself? Well, fine, don't. You can't trust yourself. You can trust him who holds you, who keeps you, 
who will always be your shepherd. He will not let you go. So I don't know what you're facing right now or what your future holds for you. But if the Lord is your shepherd, you can be confident that the Lord will provide all that you need to face whatever is in your future. And what you need more than anything else is him. If you have everything else, but you don't have him, you have nothing. If you have nothing, but you have him, you have absolutely everything you need to face whatever is in your future. What you need more than anything else is him. The Lord is strong. The Lord is loving. The Lord is enough. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Amen? Amen. Now, would you bow your heads with me?